Hey, Pete. Hey. What if all I want to do is play fast and loud and octaves? What if all I want to do is party all the time, party all the time, party all the time? I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to You'll Hear It, a podcast about getting better at music and listening to music. Oh, it certainly is. And we're brought to you by Open Studio. Go to openstudiojazz.com. Check out our Piano Access Pass. If you're a pianist or even want to be a pianist, it's the perfect tool for you. It's all of our piano courses, all the courses to come. And we're planning some big stuff this year. We are. We are. We're fast becoming the piano side for a cradle to the grave. I don't want to overstate it, but that's your whole life, right? Life and death. That's right. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? Well, I mean, I'm so excited. We're starting to settle in nicely here to the pod suite. Oh, man. You know, uh, are we we going with that for sure? Pod Pod suite suite. sounds great. I just listened to the first episode that we did. Yeah. On, you know, like there's something about listening to it on the podcast app itself. You know what I mean? Like I listen to all my other podcasts. Right. It makes it real. Like we can listen to it in the suite. We can yeah. listen to it on the headphones here in the studio, right. but when it's actually like a real podcast, right. we send like, it up to the to the Apple servers, and it's it's come back down via satellite. There's something about it that it, it's, it seems very real. So I listened to the first episode from the brand new Pod Suite with the new dual flying V. Actually, it's more like a flying H. Yeah, for <laughs> 88s, yeah. and it sounds awesome, man. It does. It sounds it does. awesome. And we talked about even just giving, you know, if you want a little background music. Yeah. So when I was a young boy in High Ridge, Missouri, oh yeah, there was none of that going on. (laughs) Do some High Ridge music. That's just gonna get derogatory fast. Oh, that's great, man. Um, Cool. What are we talking about today? So today we're talking about how to practice technique, and it's not what you think. It's not that. It is that. But it's not like You know, that. we don't want to really talk about what to practice so much as how to practice yeah. in a way that you might not be thinking of. That's right. Um, and I think, you know, w- with all things, but especially with technical practice, I think the biggest, it's not what you think, is it's not mindless. <clears throat> you know, I mean, for some reason, we go into this thing of like, oh, the technical part of our practice, the technique portion. Um, and if you've been listening to us, you know, we recommend often that this is at the beginning of your practice mm-hmm. session. So you want to be very mindful because not only not only will you not get a lot you won't get anything out of it if you're not mindful about it but you're also set a bad tone for your entire practice session by starting out non-mindful so you might think oh i'm just going to rip through some scales and stuff and then i'll be done with that but what you've what you've done if you you've just set the tone for your practice session to be like zoning out and so when you get to the more creative side of things you're not going to be ready to go that's right and you're also not getting anything out of your technique practice if you're not mindful about what's going on yeah uh, you could be practicing the hardest technical stuff, and if you're not uh, zoned like in to to what's happening with your body, right. to with your with your mind, yep. then it's not going to be doing you any good at all. Like on the flip side of that, I could practice literally just a C major scale, like this. Mm. And if I'm mindful about what's going on, like if I'm not doing a podcast, <laughs> but if I'm mindful about what my hand is doing from middle C up to the C above, yes, that could be very valuable practice, even for a pro. Yes, you know what I mean. And, and pros, we uh, pro tip, yeah. pros do practice like that. We practice simpler things than you think way you should. That's right, and and that's going to be a big part. I think what we talk about. So hopefully, we're going to give you these. Oh, is this like a seven thing, or we're just going through a list? I mean, we have seven right here. Oh, we do. Okay, yeah. awesome. So these are seven things, but. The idea for all of this is we want to just try to help you to be 
um, first and foremost, intentional uh, intentional mm-hmm. about your practice technique so that, you know, there's this is really not just for piano. This is for any instrument or, or vocalist or anything. Think about what is your intention on a daily basis, but also on a kind of overall basis for what you're doing technically. Never make it just like, oh, these guys told me to practice like this or even make it like a thing of, of uh, you, you know, I'm doing this because I have to or whatever. Know why you're doing it. That That's nothing wrong with getting advice from others, but have your own intention. That's right. And I think that goes along with mindfulness. Yeah. yeah, not, yeah. Just, not just what where your mind is, where your thoughts are, where your body is. Right. So that's really number one. That is number one. Mindfully practice technique. It's really the most crucial part of all this, because yeah. if you're mindful, you're, you're probably going to be getting some good stuff out of this. Yeah. Okay. So how can we start out mindfully? Because sometimes easier said than done. What's some tips for that? Even that's little sub tips. Well, I mean, I know you and I both are, are believers in practicing meditation. That helps yeah. me be mindful with everything I'm trying to do throughout the day. But yeah. I think especially when I get in the practice room, it feels enormously helpful for me to get in a mindful place, yes. to just recognize where my body is, where my mind is, where my thoughts are, where my feelings are. Yeah. And like literally just paint that picture, paint it done. Paint it done, yeah, yeah. What, what's going on right now with, with all of that? And that way I'm in this space of like a, a sort of clear head or at least recognizing what's in my head. Yeah. And I can decide what it is I want to practice technically. That's how I do it. Yeah, and if you're practicing the technical stuff at the beginning, that, that's that's not the only way to do it. That works for me, and I think that you've said it works for you. For sure. We don't want to box anyone in, because I think it can be successful on certain days when you're feeling very creative at the beginning or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's not going to be every day where you strike a Zen pose and then no, you know, no. get in the practice room. But, I mean, if you're... If it is the first thing you're doing, the, the, the real technical stuff, it's even more important to, you know. Sure. And look, for 60 seconds, you, you'd be surprised. Sometimes that's all I have time for. 60 seconds of meditation. Because, mm-hmm. you know, meditation is really, and what we're talking about is not meditating while you're playing a scale. No. We're talking about just doing nothing, just sitting in silence. It's a surprisingly long time, especially as you start to get a little better at meditating. And remember that, that meditate, and this is not a meditation podcast, although it's starting to feel like it. Uh, but... Um, there's never like you'll feel it. You'll feel you. <laughs> you were feeling very quiet. Uh, you are in the pod suite. No, but you're never gonna. There's never a. Um, from what I understand, even at the expert level, there's never a total emptying of your mind. No, for any amount there's of time. People who have reached enlightenment. In this, yeah, the, the, just in no but one. the the great thing I love taking into music is the same thing. There's never like a total mastery of ear training. Of course, there's not. never a total mastery of technique. We play the piano, buddy. It kicks our ass every single day, exactly. in and out. And so meditation even gets you part of that mindset. When as you go into technique, you don't have to get that perfection kind of thing. Especially like with classical music and musicians, that's a real barrier to development. Sometimes is that everything has to be perfect. But I. Think I think the key to, to mindful practicing is really just being aware of where your thoughts are. Where Where's your focus and attention as you're practicing? Are you present? Are you present? Yeah. You, like I said, you could be practicing the most technical thing and not be present and it's doing you literally no good. That's right. Or you could be practicing a very simple thing and be absolutely conscious of what your hand is doing, what you're thinking about, trying to bring your attention back to the sound that you're trying to get, right. to the shape of you're trying to get. And that will have way more of an effect than it any kind of fast technical thing that you're just zoned out on. So, all right, let's get to number two. You are getting very mindful. Okay, got it. Number two. And this kind of goes along with mindfulness. Okay, slowly. Yeah. This is how you practice everything. And and slowly, this is a sliding scale, but always, I would say, slower than you think. Like, you never need to be pushing, you know, yourself to your limits. Um, You'll have a chance to do that. I actually think that you never have to go to max speed at anything. Well, I've heard you say... I've heard people like 
like read people like Jocko Pastorius say, I've never practiced as fast as I play on the game. Right. And I, I'm, I'm such a believer in that. And I know some, you know, your mileage may vary YMMV on this, yeah, but made, I've heard this from enough people up. on different instruments in different genres that certainly a, 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 the largest percentage, and this is a big, it's not what you think, yep. you know, ripping through a bunch of things fast. And I think a lot of people for some reason are asking me about like, how do you, how do you, I mean, I've gotten this question so much. How do you practice fast? I was like, I never practice fast. Yeah. They're like, oh, you can play fast so good. Yeah, you I was, practice slow. Yeah, practice slow. It's yeah. like so, it seems like it's counterintuitive, but it's not. And I think that the um, marathon training is very much, you know, we can use as a model, really any kind of athletic training, because there is a certain, especially for the piano and, well, almost at drums, every, almost I mean, every We're every using instrument. our body in a way. We're using so our body. There's so an athleticism. There's an athletic kind of component to it, and we want to be very mindful of of just practicing slower and so this one's an easy one if you stay mindful about this and just whatever you're about to do and you think you can do it take it down 25 percent 50 percent or whatever the other thing about practicing slowly is it exposes like if you think that you know okay i can rip through that diminished scale but when you go now i'm exposing a little bit of lack of you know, maybe evenness, yep. control. That's exactly some that's things the buzzword that are, for today, right? Yeah, like when you're playing fast, all I can tell is if I'm playing the notes or, or flubbing or not. That's, that's right. kind of it, you know. Well, that brings us to our number three, which is to practice dynamically. And I think this goes hand in hand with slowly because I think a lot of people equate technique to speed and power. And yeah, that's part of it. But really technique means to me control. And that means speed and power. But that also means that speed is not fast. Speed yeah. is a variety of speeds. And I have control of what I'm doing. I can, I can, I can time things exactly where I want it. And uh, power doesn't mean just powerful. It means the ability to control my power so right. that I can play dynamically. I can play at any tempo. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. So I love to practice at different dynamic levels. Like yeah. if I'm doing scales, I love to practice doing uh, crescendos and diminuendos. To have that control yep. as I'm practicing a scale, it brings a whole new... So like if I play a C major scale, like, you know, I've been playing since I was a little kid, it adds a whole new dimension of of difficulty to it and focus uh, that comes out dra- dramatically in my gig playing. Yeah. And then and this one, the dynamics, practicing with uh, technique with dynamics is going to come up a little bit later when we get to the creative stuff, because this is one of those elements that's very easy to, you know, infuse your practice with. To get some some variety, some creativity, to keep you engaged, to keep you challenged, both sure. on a physical level and a mental level. What do you got for number four? Number four is to practice methodically. Ooh. Okay, so you know there's a certain dogma to this, but I think it's also like have a method to what you're doing and then stick to it. Don't get caught up so much in you know it has to be the handed method or whatever. I mean, we can talk about that in another. We have talked about that different things. But it's more the methodically practicing whatever you're doing in with a real method, not so much what the the like if you're doing scales, whatever, but it's to take like practicing slowly, using dynamics, being creative, using the different techniques that we have um, as you go through these things and then sort of sticking to that as your general pattern, you know. And the cool thing about that is when you do it creatively, you've got an infinite ways to set it up. Mm-hmm. The bad part of that is it's like, wow, every day I'm going to create a new method. No, that's not methodically. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. kind of random. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with any kind of thing that you're building up, not only muscle memory, but kind of mental memory and, and, and some kind of acuteness where you're 
starting to really learn things on an intuitive and automatic level, it's important to repeat it. So a method is really about just sort of repetition. You know, right. you, we can talk about, well, is this method better or whatever? That's all fine. But if you don't give it a chance to really do its course, be engaged, repeat it over and over again, then the method is not going to be able to, to, to bear fruit. And that's why we encourage you to keep a practice journal. I mean, it's not just for the creative yeah. things that you're practicing, tunes that you learn, although it's very helpful for keeping track of that. But for, for keeping track of these methods that you're practicing your technique. And I think it's super important for a technique. And then be mindful about how you track this too. Don't just put like the BPM and what you did. You know, I like to make little notes about like, um, you know, did the diminished scale with the crescendo and diminuendo had a hard time at this tempo because right. my fingers weren't hitting the way I wanted to. Maybe it's because I had too much to drink you put last those in, night. You put those in your Pujo? I put those, what? Practice journal. Pujo? Instead of a bullet journal. That sounds terrible. Okay, yeah. number five. Or so, okay. Or Prujo. Oh, so, by the way, if you're ever being chased by Cujo, the dog, oh, the Prujo comes in here. Okay. So he can go well, a little from... side note, we did get some comments out of Jen last week uh, that, that really confirmed exactly what we just did, that... that I, I infuse some corny banter, and then you go, ugh, groan, and go on. That, that some of the charm of this podcast is actually based on that interaction. It's a, it's a timeless uh, two-man operation. That's right. It's been going on since Abbott, Abbott and Costello. Okay. All right, what's number five? So number four was methodically, and I was like, well, why does he have creative creatively creativity <laughs> you have creatively for number five creatively but I, so how is that not the opposite of methodically okay well i'm going to tell you sir um this is about keeping variety in your practice you still have a, a method but it shifts because you have uh it doesn't even really shift it just is infused with different ideas one of them we mentioned was dynamically and then there's just real tactical stuff like like um Practicing in thirds, broken thirds, fifths, mm-hmm. um, uh, contrary motion, totally parallel, all these different ideas. Um, but that's what keeps it interesting and it keeps us from going too much automated where we're not actually challenging ourselves. Yeah. So we don't, everyone always thinks about challenging themselves by playing it fast. We yeah. want to stay away from that, but we do want to challenge ourselves in terms of like, say you're practicing scales and you feel like you've mastered them all. Get creative with your scale practice. You're yeah. still on the method of hitting these scales every day, yeah. but you're doing it in a way that's creative and having to engage yourself, you know, really having to engage um mentally and then also for your specific instruments you can hit some challenges in a new way piano you know it's always a two-handed thing so that's a big challenge for us but maybe for trumpet it's like alternative fingerings i don't know i don't know what they do but no it's something but use things that'll also be useful on your performances i love to incorporate uh, we already talked about dynamics but things like articulation staccato yeah. and super legato and then yeah. mixing those up within a scale yeah. can uh, all be a creative way to practice anything you're, you're working on yeah and just in general you know prac how to practice technique it seems uh, counterintuitive to be creative at all, but we have to actually always be creative. I mean, this For is sure. music and this is like, this can potentially become the most mundane and boring part of our practice, but it doesn't have to. It you can still be getting be stuff. That. It doesn't have to be. Can you know what I'm saying? Fun, baby? Yeah. And you got to love the process of this or you won't keep it going. I mean, we're both like doing new things for the new year, trying to improve, you know, be a diet, exercise or whatever. And musical development is very much like that in that you have to enjoy the process. You can't just be like, oh, I got to get through this thing. And creatively practicing is, is an e- one of the easiest ways to do that. Okay, so we've talked about five really great things to think about and ideas to of how to practice. Now let's probably talk about some bad things. <laughs> no, let's no. talk about what we're practicing. So okay. scales, arpeggios, and jazz arpeggios we have listed here as things to practice for technique. And I think that's just a great place to start. Yeah. And yeah, with this, we were kind of thinking, you know, these six and seven will be kind of 
what to practice. And, and this first category is things that are not actually music, I guess, would be the easiest way to look at them. Right. You know, scale and arpeggio um, and jazz arpeggio. I kind of threw that in there just as a reminder. It's just one. Yeah, of, what is that? Be, so that's like... Going up to the 9. Maybe even up to the sharp 11 to the 13. Yep. Anything that's, you know, normally, especially for pianists, we, it, I think really for any instrument, we look at like, you know, just the straight arpeggio. Obviously, it could be minor, it could be diminished or whatever. But the idea being that we're not bringing in any of, I mean, yeah, you could also have the dominant 7th. It's not just about that. That would be more from a classical standpoint. But in jazz, how many times do we get to a C and go? I mean, if you're corny AF, yeah. Corny AF, yeah, yeah. We're not corny AF. So, but we do. Actually, I love the idea of on a dominant chord going to that sharp 11. I think yeah. that, that's an incredibly, insanely useful thing to have in all keys. And you can set up your practice... So over the C7, C dominant 7, if you think about this as practicing the jazz arpeggio, as we'll call it, TM, G minor 7, (laughs) G minor 7, sharp, I mean G minor sharp 7. Ooh, I'm sloppy on this. What's up with this? I think it's my my height here. Yeah, we're still adjusting. Not my physical height. Adjusting. Six feet, but my, my, my chair height. Yeah, you get in that Lydian dominant sound. Yeah. It's great stuff. And then you can add some creative thing with thirds or whatever. Oh. Ooh. It giveth and it taketh. But we're layering that over the C7. For sure. That's kind of the reality. So when you go through all the different scale qualities, um, major, minor, diminished, augmented, minor with a major seventh, major with, you know, I mean, there's many variations, but you get them in all keys. They're not just useful for that key. That's great. So it's a kind of creative way to practice. It's it's a way to challenge yourself with these. And it's just, I mean, practicing just straight arpeggios is all right, but for, for, you know, jazz and more modern improvisation, definitely try to hit it up to the upper extensions. That's great. Number seven is written music. Yes. And I love that you have right stuff because I think this is crucial. I always come up with a lot of my own technical exercises. Actually, I, mean, I meant written stuff there. Sorry. Oh, written stuff. I, I left in a letter. But you got to do the right stuff too, right? <laughs> no, but I'm, I was thought, I was thought you meant like write your own technical exercises because oh, I, yeah. I do that all the time oh, where I'll come great. up with my own little etudes. Yes. Especially if there's a, I mean, we talk a lot about drop two. Don't we have some of those in the guided, the GPSs? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of my job practice. here to write some etudes, but... I like to write my own, like if I'm doing something technical that I can't, I don't have in my fingers yet. I like to write a little etude that I can kind of run through all keys that yeah. I know will be super useful for for me on performances, right? Because you know how you play better than anybody. You know what you want to have in your playing. You know how your voice should sound yeah. as an as a musician. Yep. So why not write your own stuff? I I also think uh, playing some of the the uh, tried and true classical canon of written technical exercises, the Phillips exercises, even Hannon, if you if done the right way in a mindful way, can be incredibly helpful. Cherny, like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's just that was kind of what I was trying to delineate between the six and seven is like we're pr- we're practicing things that are pre, um, you know, digestible. Right. But but the if you can think about them as two different ways, just for how you organize your practice in terms of scales, arpeggios. You know things that repeat in all keys that are not musical, and then 
Yeah, so some people would say a technical exercise is there's a little bit of a gray area because some of them are not really musical, but the, some of them are quite musical. A Chopin etude is a piece of music, you know, oh, man. a beautiful piece of music. Those so first few are so tough. Yeah, but the mindset of those is a little bit different, and I think what you're talking about, even writing in terms of what you practice, is is that it's addressing a specific technical challenge that's what i would call an etude be it jazz or chopin whatever or anything it is else. Yeah. yeah whereas the number six the the scales arpeggios are you can take a number of different technical challenges and work on them on that same scale yep you know be it you know finger dynamics all the different things more of a general thing well this has been great um well great for the listener because we just uh, drop some knowledge on them. no i'm inspired now i want to yep. go practice some technique stuff right. uh so go to you'll hear it.com leave us your speak pipe your voice message go to your podcast app and leave us a rating and review. Uh, it helps yeah, spread the word of the podcast. It really does. That's been like this podcast has grown and we are growing by what we call organic growth, um, which is just you guys sharing it, sharing the love. So we appreciate that. Thank you very much. And we're at a five star rating. We've got enough reviews. We, we did get like two like one or four stars. I think one of them was one of us by accident at the beginning. We were testing out the system where we could never get rid of it. So we were very highly rated. We appreciate that. I got a, I got a good rate. I got a good review here. Let's hear it. Uh, by Guillermo. Guillermo. From Mexico. Mexico. The, the Mexico. best podcast of all. It's very enlightening every time I listen to it. Not only do I enjoy the learning of the musical skill from these great musicians, but also about their experiences and insights. When I started hearing the podcast, I realized other musicians had struggled with the same issues that I do and the advice by Peter and Adam are truly helpful 500 stars for you thank you Guillermo very sweet kind words of you thank you Guillermo I just like reading the the struggle is real the struggle is real. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> the struggle yeah, is real. We're all dealing with the, the same thing. And so uh, just to have a little bit of a of a safe space. This is a safe space. For us We've musicians. Door, to, we can close now. Yeah. I don't know about Alex how safe he is. We'll see. So thanks for that. Go to youllhearit.com. And until next time, you'll hear it.